Welcome to the Freedom Church Podcast. These are life-giving messages from our church here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Thank you for joining with us. We hope you enjoy this message today. Let's get into it. If you don't know me, I am the worship leader here. Um, you probably... You've probably seen me um, on stage making a bit of a fool of myself, jumping around, going crazy. Um, but if you don't know me, if you haven't seen me, if it's your first time, you're so welcome. We're so glad you came. And um, I just want to say, you know, we've been here uh, like since the relaunch for about two months now. It's so amazing to see what God's doing. Like just to see like a full room right now, um, it's just it is really, really amazing to see what God's doing in this place. If we haven't had a chance to meet, I'd love you to come and grab me at the end. Just say hi. Um, but I want to introduce uh, not only me, but my family as well. If this uh, clicker will work. If this clicker will work. Oh, hey! Do I need to say you do the slides from now on? We'll see. Um, so, yeah, this is um, my, my wife, Manning. We came out here in 2019 as part of the plant team. She was my girlfriend at the time. Um, we have since got married. Um, and we have uh, two beautiful boys. That's Ethan looking concerned on the right, and that's Isaiah looking concerned on the left. And um, Manning would not let me get this picture up without Bear, our dog, in the picture. Um, so she's there as well. Um, but yeah, guys, honestly, it's so great. I feel so honored and so privileged to be speaking to you today. Uh, the first thing I want to do before I actually get into my message, you know, I've been preparing this message for the last, like, like week or two since uh, Josh asked me to do it. It's a lot to like think about. It's a lot to kind of like plan, get a vision for, get your head around. But we have amazing messages week after week from Josh and Rose. So I just want to thank these guys for the messages that they prepare. We have amazing messages. Come on. So good. Yeah, I, it just gave me a whole another level of appreciation for these guys. Um, but anyway, let me jump in. So the first question I'll ask, have you ever not done something that you know you should do and it's cost you? You know, first example is how about you're driving your car down the road, the engine light comes on, and instead of taking it to the shop, you just drive like, it'll be fine. Right, Manning? Oh, sorry, no, I'm just kidding. You don't do that. Or how about you've got a test to study for, an exam, and then you're like, I'll, I'll get to that, I'll study, you know, tomorrow I'll start studying. And then it's the night before and you spend the whole night sweating, studying, and then you fail, right? That's me. So I'm calling out Manning, but that's me. That's what I do. Well, a few of us guys um, early in the year, um, some of you heard this story, but it's fine. This is my time to preach. Um, a few of us guys early in the year went to Arizona because we like doing crazy things in this church. You may have heard... Pastor Josh talk about um, doing the 50-mile hike in 24 hours. Well, we like doing weird stuff like that for fun. Um, so we were like, let's hike the Grand Canyon. Uh, you know, go rim to river to rim. And so we uh, ventured out in February to Arizona to do that. And this is what you may think Arizona would look like, right? So you may think, you know, it's very dry, very hot, not a lot of vegetation. This is what we ran into. So we'd actually gone during the time, it was the worst winter storm they'd had in years. And so that's the time, obviously, we choose to go out there because that's just our look, isn't it? So we, we're setting off from Vegas, and the snow starts to fall. We're like, wow, this is awesome. We get out, we run around in the snow. We're like being big boys. And then suddenly the snow just keeps falling and keeps falling. And then we get news that the interstate is closed. 
And at, around this time, we're starting to think, like, should we stop? Like, should we, like, I think the question was asked, like, let's just wait in this next town and, like, call it a day. We'll get out there tomorrow. But what do you think we did? As, as Freedomites, as, as, from what you know already about us, what do you think we did? We kept going. Of course we did. And so we're going, and, and eventually the, the sat-nav takes us literally off the, the somewhat main road onto what is literally a dirt track. And I'm driving, and I can feel the car sliding out from underneath me. I'm like the most focused I've ever been. And the car is literally going left to right. We have to get out. We have to push the car. Literally, a foot of snow on like a dirt track. We have to get out, push the car. We got it stuck in a ditch at one point on the side of a mountain. And then, and, you know, need someone help getting out. And then we, we're going up this, like, this, this hill that's like a 30-degree incline for hours. And, like, we keep having to get out and push. And eventually, Arizona Santa Claus, as I like to call him, he literally comes and stops us in the middle of the road and says, what do you do? You need to, you need to turn around and go home right now. Because he was like, I've just come from the Grand Canyon. You're not getting there tonight. So we eventually had to turn around, call it a loss. We ended up paying a few thousand dollars worth of damage on the car that we'd rented. We just wished we'd stopped when we should have. We, there was something that we knew we should do, and we didn't do it. Now, why am I telling you this story? I think for a lot of us as Christians, we feel this way about prayer. So it's something that we know is important. We know the power of it. We know that it's significant. And sometimes it, the priority, it like, slips down our list of priorities. You know, like, we're talking in this series right now about um, the, the kind of, like, house on the rock, the firm foundations of our faith. And, and I believe that to build your house, you need a foundation of prayer. You know, Josh was talking last week about faith, and we need a foundation of faith. We need a foundation of prayer. Because prayer is so powerful. Like, it's altered so many things that you probably don't even realize, like, in your own life. But in it's altered world history. It's altered governments. It's, it's seen healing. And, and so we need to, to make it a priority. And, I've, you know, we're looking around this building right now, and it is amazing what we have. You know, you, you see the lights. You see the stage. You see, like, everything that we've done to make it beautiful. We didn't have this four years ago. We didn't have all this stuff. We, we, were, we first came and we were meeting in a house, in Josh and Rose's house, and then we went from that to a foyer of another church. And then we went to houses again because COVID happened. And then we went to a community center. And then finally we, we came here. But it was a building site for a year. But before we had any of that, we had prayer. Before we had anything else, we had prayer. And I just want to like, encourage you with that. Even if in your life you don't have what you, you're looking for, and you have prayer. And so we're going to talk about uh, prayer. I actually, just on that, you know, we, we were praying uh, for years before we ever met you guys. You know, we, um, a, a group of us, about 15 of us, started gathering in like 2018, 2019 to just begin praying about God, what God wanted to do here in Raleigh. I believe some of you that are here today, some of the faces that we're seeing today are a fruit of those prayers that we prayed years ago. Some of the stories, you know, we prayed for people to come in and find freedom. We prayed for people to come in and find like a new ex expression of their faith. And, and that's what we're seeing, like, in these last couple of months. That's what we're seeing. We just had um, uh, a story of someone who's come into church over the last couple of months and was struggling with social anxiety, was, like, crippling social anxiety. Someone prayed for them, and they're free of it. And they're the kind of stories that we prayed for years ago, and we hadn't seen it, but now we're living in it right now. And I think, you know, we can all say amen, and we can all, like, like love these stories and we should but for so many of us 
like our priority, like it does slip down the list of priorities. You know, if someone comes to you and says, you know, I'm sick, you know, not even has to be life-threatening, or if someone comes to you and says, I'm just not well emotionally, how often is our first response, let me pray for you right now, let me pray for you in this moment, or is it like, let me go to the store, get you some medicine, let me look on WebMD, see how long you've got left to live. And I think, you know, even when there's situations of like, like world conflict, we often say praying for, but how, and this isn't a dig, this is like, I'm in this boat with you guys. How often is it that we actually do pray for that? Or how often is it that actually it becomes lower on the list of priorities? So I want to talk about prayer today. And if, if I was being honest, and I won't make you do this, but if I said, hands up, who wants to pray more? I think most of our hands would go up in this room. So what does the Bible say about prayer? Well, the first thing I want to pull out is this, is that Jesus prioritized prayer. Jesus prioritized prayer. Luke 5, verse 15 to 16 says, Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. So Jesus, you, you read all throughout the Bible, Jesus is uh, often described as, as going off on a mountain or in the wilderness in this story to go and pray. And I think what's amazing about this, this first thing I want to pull out is that it says there that the, the news about him spread all the more. So the crowds of people came to hear him. So this was at the height of Jesus' ministry. So this isn't like Jesus before he's well known. This is like Jesus at his most popular and he's still prioritizing prayer. He's still saying like, I need time with my father. And I just think for some of us, this will really stick out because your obligations to others do not supersede your need for prayer. What you think you owe people, what you think other people like need of your time actually comes second to time in prayer. And so I think just want to almost like, like press in on this a little bit more because I know there's some people who they carry the weight of others so much like they carry the other people's burdens, they carry other people's like pain. And it's not wrong, guys, to do that. Jesus often talks about us, you know, also like loving one another and sharing the load in that way. But Jesus himself models what it looks like to have prayer as a priority because he knows that like I need time with my father before I can come and, and like heal these people. So how much more do we need that, right? <laughs> if Jesus needs it, how much more do we need it? The second thing I want to pull out is this. Jesus is the son of God. Amen good. That was a good test. So he's the son of God. So he's fully God. The Bible talks about him being fully God. So like if prayer is like communion with God, like surely Jesus would kind of like need it the least amount, right? Like surely Jesus out of all the people, if he is fully God, would, would kind of be like, like, you know, I'm fine actually. I've got this. But he's also fully human. The Bible also talks about him being fully human. It's out of that humanness of God, that humanity of Jesus that he actually depends on God. He says, I can do nothing by myself except what, I see the fa- uh, except what I see the Father doing. How did he see what the Father was doing? In prayer. How are we going to see what the Father's doing in our own life? In prayer. And I think if we see all these miracles that Jesus did, and if we see them as like Jesus is God, then we can all step back and go, you're amazing. Great, great miracle that I love that one, the water to wine. Wow. But like when we realize that he actually operated out of his humanity in a dependency on God, it's actually an invitation for us to, to live that same walk. It's actually an invitation for us to do the same thing. So Jesus prioritizes prayer, so we need to as well. And the next thing I want to pull out is this. The disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. The disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. Luke 11 verse 1 says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray. 
I think this is kind of amazing to me because think about all the amazing things that Jesus did. Think about all the miracles that he performed. Think about all the amazing things that he like said and taught. They don't, if I'm them, I'm like, Lord, teach me how to raise the dead. You know, like, Lord, teach me how to multiply food. Amen. Right? That, that could be handy to know. Teach me how to turn water into wine. I don't know. They don't even say, Lord, teach me how to, like, give the smack down to Pharisees. Like, that's what I would want to know. I want to know how to, like, put them in their place. Or, but they don't need to say any of that. They say, Lord, teach us how to pray. And I think this is so, this is so interesting because, it, 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 to me, it shows that they understood the significance of Jesus' time in prayer. They understood that, actually, when he went up on a mountain to pray... Things were different when he came back down. When he went and, and pursued God in the, in the secret place, that was actually how he operated, like out of that relationship. And so they, they understood, like, I don't need to know necessarily how to teach and preach. I need to know how to pray. And so this is where we get the, the famous Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, 9, 13. This is what Jesus responds to them. He says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Like how many of us have heard that? Like if you've been in church for a while, you probably memorized that or you probably like know it like off the back of your, back of your hand. But the thing I want to like pull out is like how amazing would this have been for the disciples to hear this for the first time? Like think about the disciples the first time they're hearing this from Jesus and I think that the thing that would have been the most, like, mind-blowing is that first line, our Father in heaven. The disciples would have known God as almighty, as to be feared, as all-powerful. Here Jesus comes in and says, actually, when you pray, when you come to God in private, you need to come to your Father. Because prayer connects us to our Father. Prayer is going to connect you to your Father and I think it's um, one of the things that we noticed when we uh, first came to America, particularly in this, this part of the world, is so often when, when people would pray, it was often Lord. They would come in this posture of Lord, which, by the way, guys, we're big on that as well, because Lord implies lordship. It implies power. It implies authority. But when you have Lord without Father, you lack intimacy. When you have Lord without Father, you lack intimacy, and intimacy is key to a good prayer life. Intimacy is key to a good prayer life because you're quicker to run to your father than you are to a Lord. You're quicker to ask for more things from your father than you are from a Lord. You know, because there's this sense of like fear and reverence. But when you come to your father, you know you can come and ask for everything you need. That's what, the, that's what Jesus teaches is come and ask for, my, ask for your daily bread. There's this thing of like you need everything from me. You come to a father asking for those things. I just want to say, if you don't know um, God as your father today, we want to pray for you because it, it's one of the most life-changing things. It's one of the most mind-altering like, things. When you come and you understand that God is your father and that he loves you, it's powerful. It changes everything. It changes the way you pray. It changes the way you live your life. And so if that's you, I, we, we won't do it now, obviously, but grab somebody at the end and say, I, I want to know what that's like. And, I, you know, we can say it as like, yeah, God, our, our Father, but it's like, do you know that, like, deep in your heart? Like, do you know that God is your Father? So I want to just press in on that because it, it, it changes everything. You know, Jesus came to actually reveal the Father. That was one of the things he came to do. The old, in the Old Testament, God is referred to his Father 15 times. In the New Testament, in the Gospels alone, he's referred to his Father 165 times. 
So there's this thing of actually Jesus came to reveal to his people and reveal to us that God is our Father and that we should come and approach him in that way. So next, uh, so going off that, he also talks about, you know, or which one of you, this is in Matthew 7, verse 9 to 11, or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So Jesus himself is even recognizing, like, you know like what it means to have good like relationships with your father. You know that like when you ask for things as a child, your father's going to give you what you ask for. And he's saying, how much more, if you have a relationship with your father in heaven, how much more are you going to see this in your life? Next point is this. Prayer is necessary for a life of impact. Prayer is necessary for a life of impact. John 14, 14 says this. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. I think this falls under the category of like, read it so many times it's lost its meaning. <laughs> or like, read it so many times it's lost its power. Like, how many times have we heard, you may ask for anything in my name and I will do it. But it's like, do we believe that? Like, do we actually believe him when he says that? Like, you may ask for anything in my name. And I, like, there's no and ifs or buts. It's like, anything. And I just think like, the, in order to live out the life that God's called of us, we need to have this kind of like, expectation in prayer. We have to have this expectation that when I come in prayer and I ask for anything, Jesus is faithful. And uh, James 5 verse 16 says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. This goes for everyone in this room. This isn't just like the preacher as the righteous person. This isn't just the worship leader. Like if you are made new in Jesus, if you've given your life to Jesus, you're a righteous person. So, you know, I've got news for you. Your prayers are powerful and effective. And I think, again, it's like we can often come into church and think, like, it's down to the leader. It's down to the preacher. It's down to my pastor to pray these bold prayers because, like, why would God hear my prayers? But it says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And this goes for every single person in this room. You know, I, um, a few years ago, this is when I was living in, in the U.K. in a town called Worcester. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, I was living in a town called Worcester, and I, this was before, um, obviously, coming out here. And I was asked, um, just off the cuff, to basically play guitar and sing a couple of songs for um, this woman who was having a wedding ceremony. And this woman was terminally ill. Um, she had, like, been told she has six months to live. And, um, and basically, she, so she had, like someone that she loved, and she was like, I'm not going to, like, wait. I'm going to get married now because I don't know how much longer I've got left. They're saying six months. So I get a message saying, can you go and play some songs? And I was like, okay. So I'm, like, learning Oasis and Ed Sheeran on the way to, uh, on the way to this, like, place in Hereford, which is, like, a 45-minute drive. Champagne Supernova, anyone like that song? Cool. Yeah, I butchered it. Um, and so I'm, dry, I, like, I'm going over there, and I play these songs badly, um, and then I, I see this woman, and as I'm going out, I just had this conviction within me that, like, I, I need to pray for her. And I, this sounds great, right? Like, it sounds, and then I laid hands, and I declared, no, no. I walked past her, and I didn't have the courage to say anything out loud, so I walked past her and just kind of extended my hand. I was like, in Jesus' name, I'll just pray healing. <laughs> like, nobody heard, like, that I said anything, but I prayed, and I had this conviction, and I had faith that Jesus could heal her. 
So and then I then I left and didn't hear anything about it. A few literally the other day, a few weeks ago, I was on Facebook and I see this woman's post and she's celebrating the fact that she's there's been no spread of the cancer since then. So this was and this was six years ago. She'd been told she had six months left to live. And here she is six years later. She doesn't know I prayed for her. I didn't make a big show out of it. In fact, I was probably quite cowardly. If I'd done it now, I might have like actually asked her, can I pray for you? But at the time, I didn't have that. Now, did I, was, I, was my prayer the one that like healed it? I don't know. But I, I believe my prayers are powerful and effective. And so I think it probably could have. And so I just want to say, like, what world-changing prayers are locked up in your heart right now that you're not praying out of fear or out of just feeling like you can't? You're feeling like you're not righteous. You are righteous, and your prayers are powerful and effective. So we're going to have some, uh, like, prayer nights over, like, like in the next, in the new year, sorry. Come to them. Offer your voice. You know, we're going to be praying and believing for some, like, impossible things. And I just want to say, like, get to them. They're powerful. You know, and I, I just think, like, what, what kind of things are we going to see when we come as a church and actually start believing for some amazing things? Like, we're going to see some incredible things happen. Come to those prayer nights. So I'm going to, just as I uh, move on, I'm going to go and um, give kind of like four, I guess, like things to help you in your prayer walk. Then have a word for it. But they spell out pray. So that should help. Help you remember. If you haven't been taking notes, now's the time where you write this down because this is going to help. First one is this, priority. So I kind of started the, the, uh, like the preach by basically saying, like, let's be honest, is, is prayer a priority on our lives? But it has to be a priority. Because priority speaks to value. You know, if you have a, a value for watching the uh, Carolina Panthers, yeah? No? Okay. I don't know. What's the big team in here? Hurricanes? Yeah? Hurricanes. Okay. Carolina Gamecocks. Let's go. Come on. If you have a value for that, if you have a value for that, you're going to make time to, to watch it, right? You're going to make time to be at the games, to tailgate. Like, I remember, this is so bad. When the World Cup was on, um, I got up at 5 a.m. every day to watch the World Cup. Like, and Manning asked me, you don't do this for prayer? And I was like, yeah, you're right. But because there was a value that I put on watching the World Cup, watching my favorite team, whatever, I, like, made it a priority. I was up early. And I just want to ask you, like, what, is your, what does your day look like when it comes to prayer? Like, do you prioritize prayer? How many times do you pray a week? Like, do you get up early to pray? And guys, again, I just said, like, I got up to watch my team play at 5 a.m., like, and I didn't do it for prayer. Like, I'm in this with you. This isn't, like, a judgmental message. I just want to, like, charge all of us a little bit and say, like, is prayer the priority it should be in our lives? Like, it's not about if I get to it or after I do this. It's like, prayer is my first response. It's my first thing that I do in the morning. I just think when we, when we make prayer a priority, like, what's going to change in this church? What's going to change in this city? The next one is uh, R is relentless. Relentless. You know, in the Lord's Prayer, it says, uh, come to me and ask for my daily bread. There's something about this. This isn't like a whenever you need it prayer. This is like a like daily thing. This is like relentless. And there's this uh, parable in Luke uh, 18 that I want to bring out uh, that Jesus literally speaks this very thing. He says, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. 
And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. I think there's some people in there that would be like this widow. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? I just want to kind of like, <clears throat> like hover over that last line. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith in the earth? Will he find faith in you? Will he find faith in you when you haven't seen the answer yet? And are you going to be relentless in prayer? Because even though, you know, we are supposed to believe for great things, Jesus himself says in this teaching, like, you need to pray and not give up. And I just want to say, like, will the Son of Man, will Jesus find faith in you for the thing that you're believing for? Like, if you haven't seen it yet, if you haven't seen the answer to what it is that you're believing for, do you still have faith for it? Like you may even be thinking right now, maybe you'd be coming to your mind, something that you prayed for years ago and you gave up praying for, or something that you're on the edge of giving up. And I just want to say, have faith. Have faith. Keep going. There's something that's formed in us when we're relentless. There's something that's formed in us in that waiting. There's something that's formed in us when we haven't seen the answer that we want yet. So don't give up. The last, uh, the second to last one is this, it's authority. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. All authority. And that authority is passed down to you as his children. And so when we come to pray, we're not just coming like asking, like, oh, God, please, can you heal this person? please, can you heal me? There's actually an authority that we have in Jesus' name that has authority over sickness, has authority over disease, over anxiety, over world powers. And so when we pray, we start declaring. When you get this sense of like, it's actually not in my strength, it's in his. It's actually not in my own authority, it's in his. It changes the way you pray because you start to believe like, if it's in his name, like, he can do it. And so you might, like I say, when we come to these prayer meetings, you might hear people saying, I declare in Jesus' name, or in Jesus' name, be well. It's because we've got an understanding of authority. We're not coming in and just like, like throwing up hopeful pleas. We're coming up and knowing that we stand in that same authority that Jesus walked in. And the last one is this, yield. Yield. Jesus knew what it was to yield. He knew what it was to like, ask for something and not have that answer. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane before going to the cross to endure the world's most unbelievable pain, unbelievable suffering, he actually asked, Father, will you take this cup from me? But he says, not my will, but your will be done. And we've got to be able to, as, as believers, hold this tension of like, we're believing for the impossible, but we're also like yielded and submitted to his will. And 
I think this is really powerful because ultimately in the yielding, we get to know who God is. You know, prayer isn't just about yeses and receiving answer things. It's part of that. Obviously, that's kind of what the, most of this message has been about. But it's also primarily about coming to know God more. You know God more when you yield. Because you're saying, not my will, but yours. And if, you know, the biggest win from this message isn't necessarily that we see amazing things happen, although I believe we will, and I want to see those things, but it's that you know God more. That's the, that's the win of this message. That's why prayer is so important. That's why yielding is so important to, to, to knowing God. And so, yeah, I even just want to speak into that as well, even as we talk about like being relentless in prayer and believing for things. There's still this thing of like holding this tension of like, God, I'm believing for this impossible breakthrough, but not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. And I just want to ask this question, what, what's the church going to look like? What's your life going to look like, first of all? What's your life going to look like if we made prayer a priority? What's your life going to look like if you're relentless in prayer? What's your life going to look like if you understand the authority that Jesus has given you in prayer? And what's your life going to look like if you understand what it is to yield to his will above your own? What, and, and then what's the church going to look like? Like, we haven't seen anything yet, guys. We haven't seen anything yet. Like, if we put this stuff into practice, we're going to see some amazing things happen. It's amazing to see 250 people in a room. I want to see some healings. I want to see, I want to see the, the power of God break out. I want to see, like, have testimonies of the miraculous that we're constantly celebrating week after week because we understand this thing of if he can do it, we're going to believe for it. So let's be a church that prioritizes prayer, that's relentless, that understands our authority and yields to him. You know, even as I'm talking, there may be some people here that are like, I want this, but I, I know that I haven't like yielded my life to God. I haven't surrendered my life to him. And I, I want to say, if that's you, the good thing is it's as easy as saying, I believe in you, Jesus. You can, you can leave today and be a completely different person. So in this moment, I wonder if we could close our eyes. And if that is you, it says in Romans 10, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's as simple as that. It, it really is that simple. And so I'm going to uh, read uh, a prayer out. And I just want you, if you want to make the decision to follow Jesus today, to give your life over to him and to understand what it is to have this relationship with a father who loves you deeply and intimately, I want you to either out loud or in the quiet of your heart, just repeat this prayer after me. It says, Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you want to give into our church, you can do so by visiting freedomchurchrally.com and head over to the give section. Have a great week.